1930. There were strikes then curiously different from strikes of today. At present, when workers strike or bargain collectively, they virtually always win. The question is seldom whether they will gain anything. It is rather how much they will gain. But 35 years ago, there were strikes when the outcome was not so certain. Strikes that meant long weeks and months of intense hunger, conflict and physical violence, a press and public opinion that depicted the strike as an insurrection. With the settlement of many of these early strikes that there was little or nothing added to the pay envelope, little or nothing for job security, and a mountain of debts to pay and harsh memories to forget. Yet there was one thing that was one, one thing that was fought for as indispensable, one thing for which all the pain and sacrifice was justified namely union recognition. It seems so minuscule a victory that people outside the labor movement scorned it as, in fact, just another defeat. But to those who understood, union recognition meant the real beginning. Union meant strength, and recognition meant the employer's acknowledgment of that strength. And the two meant the opportunity to fight again for further gains with united and multiplied power. As contract follow contract to pay envelope fatten and fringe benefits and job rights grew to the mature work standards of today. All of these started with winning first union recognition. I think the biggest gain Negroes have won is that kind of recognition. We might call it not union recognition, but human recognition. We have far to go. But like the early labor movement, we have learned that the man who will not fight for his rights has no rights no matter what is written in law or promised by politicians. Labor is respected today. Forty years ago, it was despised and grossly abused. Negroes are respected today when only yesterday they were scorned, rebuked, and forgotten. Even more important, Negroes respect themselves today. And no power exists that can return them to servility and passivity. That is why the white backlash will fail. It may hinder us for a time, but it cannot halt us. What else did we win, and what did we not win? What crossroads are we at? With Selma and the Voting Rights Act, one phase of development in the civil rights revolution came to an end. A new phase opened, but few observers realized it or were prepared for its implications. For the vast majority of white Americans, the past decade, the first phase, 
had been a struggle to give the Negro a degree of decency, not of equality. White Americans had intended that the Negro should be spared the lash of brutality and coarse degradation, but it had never seriously intended to help him out of poverty, exploitation, or all forms of discrimination. The outraged white citizen had been sincere when he snatched the whip from the southern sheriff. But when this was to a degree accomplished, the emotions that had momentarily inflamed him melted away. White Americans left the Negro on the ground and in devastating numbers walked off with the aggressor. It appeared that the white segregationists and the ordinary white citizens had more in common with one another.